Amen. How many know it's good to be in the presence of Jesus? You know, yes, sir. Thank you, Pastor. You know, it's so good to just be with him because how many know he's the point? Remember? Remember, he is the point. Thank you so much, Pastor. There you go. You know, I am a little bit weird about that, and he, he didn't get it quite in the right spot. So. But, but he's the point, y'all. This is, this is us and him, right? When it all boils down to it, it's us and him in that relationship that he gave everything to cultivate. And so it's so good just to uh, take time and just be in his presence and remember this is about him. And I don't know about you, but that's in, in times like that, whenever you slow down enough, that God will speak to you. Amen? He'll speak to you. He'll give you that word. He'll, he'll talk to you about that thing that you've been praying about. And Thank you, ma'am. And uh, sorry, bro. And uh, he'll, he'll talk to you about, uh, he'll just talk. I don't know, and maybe I say this a lot, but it just blows my mind that the creator of the universe would take time and, 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 and it would be a part of his heart to, to, to spend time with me personally. Is that unbelievable? Come on, there's, there's thousands, maybe millions of, of churches this morning uh, pressing into the presence of God right now as we speak. And, and, and yet God would come and he'll say, you know what, the remnant is just special enough that, that, that I want to just be there with them personally. So you say, do we have him all to ourselves? No, he can do the same thing at every single church around the world at the same town because he is God. But the point is him, guys. The point is him. Look at the person to your right and say, it's him. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I would like to think the point is me. <laughs> right? This is all for me. But really, it's all for him. And uh, we just serve a great, big, amazing God. And so I am glad to have all of our African missionaries back. And uh, I heard I was uh, gone last Sunday and, and I heard that Pastor McCorkle absolutely yeah. knocked it out of the park. Just so uh, that is awesome. And we're starting a new series today. We're, we're going to be in this series for, for a, a little bit. And the, the title of the series is called Why We Do What We Do, right? Why we do what we do. And, and, and this, this morning is just gonna be an intro to that, and we're gonna talk about a few things of why it's important to know why we do what we do. But I, I'm, I'm super excited about this series because I feel like God's gonna expand and prepare our hearts for people First of all, he's going to speak to people in here who may be a little bit like, why do we do some of the things that we do? And, you know, sometimes in church, we just we just we get to rolling and we get to doing church stuff. And we forget that there might be people walking through the doors or people that have been here for a little while. And they go, man, I don't know why we do that. Like, like, why do we have parents and kids come up on stage with their kid? And then there's a little crowd of people over here. And then the rest of us are out here and. What's that all about? You know, and it's common sense, maybe to some of us, but some of us is not. And we don't have a clue what's going on. 
And so we're going to talk about why we do what we do. And so uh, we're going to look at the Remnant Church and explore why we do those things. My hope is that through this sermon series, we would have a firm understanding of why we do what we do, and even more so, that we would do what we do with a deeper purpose. When we understand why we're doing something, it'll cause us to do what we're doing with a deeper purpose. You know, I, I, I don't know how many years ago it was, uh, it's been two or three years ago, I was, uh, had the, the privilege to uh, go to Australia with Graham and Irene Baker, and then we flew over to Papua New Guinea, and, uh, where, where they had done their, their mission work. They'd spent like 35, almost 40 years in the nation of Papua New Guinea, and they went back for a dedication of a hospital that was being built in an area that they had gone to, and it was really one of the more ex- interesting experiences of my life. And I'll tell you something, if you get the opportunity to travel the world and preach the gospel, do it. When the opportunity arises, if you can, I understand there's financial reasons and children and and, and all that stuff and whatever, jobs, but if it is at all possible, do it because God can do more in you and, and, and reveal things in you, and Trina and Daryl and Steve, and of, of course Pastor knows, but, but man, God just can cultivate some things in you whenever you're outside of your comfort zone. So here I am, I'm in Papua New Guinea, all alone, well, all alone, I didn't have any of my people with me, Rachel didn't come, nobody came, I was all alone, and, and uh, with Graham and Irene, we spent a few days in the coastal town of Medang, that's where they had done the majority of the work, but the hospital was being built uh, like four or five hours up in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, right? And, and uh, so we begin our trek up into the highlands. We drive, um, I'm, I'm, we, we started out in a nice bus and the nice bus turned into the back of a, a, a four-wheel drive truck uh, sitting on a case of water and because these aren't real roads that are actually going to these places. And, and, uh, and so I, we, we get there and all of a sudden, five hours in the back of this truck, I'm completely miserable, uh, I, I start to hear a sound. We're coming up, coming up this mountain. I start to hear this, this sound, and, and it's like drums beating and, and, and this weird, like, moaning. I'm not joking. This is really happening. Like, I thought that this was actually just stuff that happened on TV, right? This is, this is me from small town Texas, and like really I haven't ventured too far out of LaGrange too many times. Amen? Right? I'm like Plum. Man, we got to go all the way to Plum? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's halfway to West Point, man. I ain't traveling that far. So, so, so right, so yeah, it's culture shock for me a little bit. First of all, there's no white people. Right? Right? Their church doesn't look like our church, Right? I was the one that stuck out. I mean, I, I, was, I was like, they were like, <laughs> right? So, so we're coming up into the hills of Papua New Guinea and we come down and, and y'all, there are probably at least a thousand, a thousand pop, native Papua New Guineans tribal people. These people are from the highlands. They're from the mountains of Papua New Guinea. They don't go to town. Like, this is National Geographic in your face. Like, real life. 
And there was such a big crowd of people that we stopped and we got out of the vehicle. And these people are, are, are just dancing with all of their might, playing these instruments. There's this huge celebration. They all have, have weapons of mass destruction in their hands. I mean, these are killers. And, and they're doing all this dancing and gyrating and stuff. And, and I began to notice that the majority of the women did not have anything but a grass skirt on. They didn't have nothing but a grass skirt on, right? And their bodies are painted with messages to you, like, hello. So I'm like, do I read that? Do, right? Or, or like, welcome to foray. And I'm like, what are we supposed to do here, right? Where I'm from, when women wear nothing but grass skirts with painted body bodies, that's like called Mardi Gras. You know what I mean? I mean, you're looking for a free buffet somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is happening? What, what's going, what, why is this happening? And Graham could see that I wasn't quite sure what to do because I, I didn't know why they were doing what they were doing because it wasn't like people do things where I'm from. You know what I mean? And so Graham comes over and he rescues me. He can see, I'm like, like, what do I do? And he said, hey, he said, I know this may be different than what you've ever seen before. He said, he said, but these people don't have anything. He said, they have nothing. Their garden, their little hut, like that's all they have. Like if they're really prominent status, like maybe they have a pig. And he said, because they have nothing, when they know that somebody is coming to give them something, the only thing that they have to offer is themselves. And they said, so they decorate themselves up like a gift, like a present, like we would at Christmas. And they're saying, I am offering, I don't have anything else to give you, but I am offering myself to you as a gift to serve you and honor you. And it made so much more sense to me right? No, they weren't from Bourbon Street. No, no, these, they were, they were giving what they had. But Graham, I, I couldn't, whenever I first got there, because of where I come from, my culture, what, what I've been raised in, what I've seen, I could not understand why they were doing what they were doing until somebody put their arm around me, pulled me aside and said, hey, let me explain this to you. And I was really grateful. And then I just wept. Then you just cry because you're like, oh my God. Oh my God, this is better than any offering you could ever get, right? These people are just so grateful and giving of themselves. But it was an experience for me. It really was. It was a really uh, interesting experience. But we've got to understand, it's the same way for a lot of people that walk through the doors of the church. They're like, huh? Say, say who? What did they, why are they, what, who, why? why? Why is everybody standing down there around those steps like that? Are they, are they bowing down to Kristen up there leading worship? Like what is happening, right? See, a lot of people don't think like that because we're professional Christians, right? But if you're gonna be a church that reaches the lost and raises the found, you better be willing to explain why you do what you do because you gotta know that people are gonna come through. Listen to me, we're not reaching other, other uh, religious church people. They're, they're, that's fine, we're reaching the lost. 
We're reaching the, 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 the people that, that are raw and real and they are coming into this thing like, what is up? How can this Jesus dude really help me in the situation that I'm in? What does being a Christian really mean? What does that really look like? Does that look like a bunch of people standing on the carpet at the right time? Does that look like, uh, does that look like uh, you know, coffee and donuts? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Why do we do what we do. There, God, uh, in, in Exodus, they were preparing the, for the Passover. And God tells the, the, the children of Israel as they're preparing the Passover, he's telling them, get your uh, hyssop bush, kill the lamb, right? Slit its throat, drain all the blood out into this bowl, dip the bush in there, and paint your doorposts with blood. Now, how many know that's weird? Right? You come to my house, and I'm like, what's up? I grab my dog. It looks like a sheep. <laughs> slit its throat. Drain all the blood out in the bowl. Paint my doors. You'll never come back to my house again. <laughs> right? Ever. Now, now, he explains to the Israelites why they were doing what they were doing. There's going to be a death angel that passes by and the blood of the lamb on your doorpost will keep this angel from killing you and your family. Keep, keep him from killing all the firstborn males in your house. And so they were like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But then he tells them this, Exodus 24, 27. He said, keep this word. It is the law for you and your children forever. When you enter the land, which God will give you as he promised, keep doing this. Keep doing slitting the lamb's throat, dumping blood into the bowl, and painting your house with blood. Keep doing that. And then he says, and when your children say to you, why are we doing this? Right, because they weren't there. He's talking about this is 40 years later. This is 100 years later. Whenever you're continuing to do this, like you guys are gonna know what's up. Y'all will be professional throat slitters, bowl of blood paint people. But your kids are going to look at you like you're crazy. They're going to ask you, why are you doing this? And tell them it's the Passover sacrifice to God who passes over the homes of the Israelites in Egypt when he hit Egypt with death, but rescued us and the people bowed in worship. So God's like, hey guys, I realize this is weird. And there's going to be people who won't understand what you're doing unless you tell them why you're doing it. So for generation after generation, they told the story of the Passover. Can I tell you something? We can never get tired of talking about the meaning of this thing called the gospel. Amen. We can never get tired. Listen, we can never become a church to where everybody knows what's up. We all know the right move and when to do it and how to do it to look the coolest and the most accepted, right? Right? that the people that walk through those doors that are lost and hurting and hungry for change and hungry for real, real life don't feel completely accepted and in the know whenever they come in. We can't do that, right? If we do, it would, call, it would cause us to be this awful thing that Jesus hated called religious. Ooh, look at somebody say, I don't want that. I don't want that disease. When we understand why we're doing something, it brings a greater sense of purpose to what we're doing. Christianity is a whole lot less about 
what we are doing than it is about why we are doing it. It's the heart behind what we are doing. Look, this isn't about what, 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 right? I was talking to the, to the uh, at, at pregame this morning uh, where we gather all the people that are ministering. I was talking to the people about why do we do what we do? Because we all know what we do, right? Everybody that's in ministry at the church, we know we teach the class. We know that we greet the people. We know that we serve the coffee. We, we all know our, what our what is. But if it is not driven by a deep conviction of our why, our purpose and what we're doing, then what we're doing is just no different than just what we do every day from nine to five. The only problem is there's no paychecks. <laughs> See, if you don't have a strong why, you'll be, you'll be like, there's no paycheck for this? Never mind then. But if you have a deep sense of why you're doing what you're doing, this is a heart thing, y'all. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. This isn't just about our actions, about what we do, right? Because we can pray and we can worship and we can lift our hands and we can bow down and we can sing songs and we can read the Bible and we can preach and, and we can do all those things. But if there's, no, if there's no why driving what we're doing, then what we're doing is just religion. In the church, listen, there's whys that matter a lot. There are whys that matter a lot, right? Like, why baptism? That's important. Why prayer? Why worship? Why are we so crazy about this book? Why... Do we keep talking about this cross that some guy hung on 2,000 years ago? Why? See, those are whys that matter most. And then there's going to be whys that don't matter as much. Now, I didn't say they don't matter, but they just don't matter as much. And sometimes we get the whys that matter most flipped with the whys that don't matter as much. Now, whys that don't matter as much, it would be like, why do we sit in chairs and not pews that doesn't matter near as much as why the cross why but see this is where people get hung up people pick churches based on whys that don't matter as much instead of the whys that matter the most people will say why here's a here's a why that doesn't matter why is the pastor preaching in blue jeans I get it. That's important to you. Maybe so, but can I tell you something? It just doesn't matter that much. Why? Why do we sing contemporary music and not hymns? It's a legit question. That's a legit question. Why do we do that? It's just not a why that matters most. And if we stick to the whys that matter most, and that's what this sermon series is going to be about, it's going to be about the whys that matter most. And I bet along the way we're going to answer a lot of those questions about, because see, the whys that matter the most always have their source in the word of God. Right? Right? The whys that don't matter as much always find their source in style, in culture, in the personality of leadership, right? 
You have a pastor that, 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 that wants to preach in, in uh, boots in a cowboy shirt, right? Who cares? These aren't whys that matter as much. That's his personality. That's his style. And we get caught up in personality and style, and we'll miss out on the things that matter most because we can't get over personality, style, and culture, right? Personality, style, and culture will always change, right? It'll always change. Like, do y'all remember when we used to have plants on our stage? It used to look like Jurassic Park up here. (laughs) Amen? I mean, I'm serious. There were like plants everywhere. It was just like, welcome to the jungle. Like, plants everywhere. Can I tell you what that was? That was style. That was cool at the time. You don't see plants anymore because plants aren't cool anymore. Right? Does it matter if there's plants or not plants? That's style. That's culture. Right? And, and like I said, a lot, of the, a lot of the things that don't matter as much are going to reflect the personality of leadership. Right? The leadership, it's going to flow from leadership, and that's where it's going to come from. And you say, well, that's not my personality and style. That's why you shouldn't pick a church or, or stay at a church or leave a church based on personality or style. You do it on the wise that matter most. Why are we worshiping that way? Why are we honoring the word of God like crazy people around here? Why do we preach Jesus the way? Why do we talk about him crucified? Why, why, why some of the, why, why are we so crazy about prayer? Why are we so obsessed with meeting together? Why are we having these small groups? See, now we're getting into whys that matter. You start understanding why these things, the, the blue jeans and the chairs and the no hymnals won't freak you out at all. Amen. Right? Won't freak you out at all. Because that won't be what matters most. That's good preaching. So we're going to talk about today three reasons. This is just the introduction to this series. Why it's important to ask why. Y'all like all this why? A lot of whys. Why is it important to ask why? The first reason it's important to ask why is number one, because not everybody knows why. Right? And here's the real truth. I bet some of us who think we're cooler than we really are actually don't understand what we put on a front like we know. But we would feel stupid if we admitted that. People don't ask why because they think that they're the only ones that don't know what's going on. Listen, it's really sad. But the church, not just this church, the church has created a culture that assumes everyone knows why we do what we do. Right? The church has created a culture for saved people. But, but when saved people get saved, they're supposed to be obsessed with people that aren't saved. So why do we create our safe habitation for saved people? And then lost people come in and they're like, what the hell are they doing in here? What? My God, do you see what? So it's a culture of what? You don't know what's happening? You don't know why we come down to the front, you idiot? Well, you know, if you were a little more mature in the Lord. Right? That's not going to be what happens at the remnant church. 
Why? Because this is a, this is a safe place for lost and messy people. Lost and messy people. Not saved and stuffy people. Ooh, I'm getting on to save folks today. Ooh, just messy, 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 messy. The world is messy. The lost people are messy. They're crazy. They do all kinds of, of, of improper things. So we shouldn't just expect them. See, see, we get trained in our Christian ways and we forget where we came from like in two seconds, right? So why are we doing this? Number one, because not everybody knows why. We've got, we've got to remove this culture that when people walk in, there's just like, like people walk into church and they're like, okay, okay I see coffee over there. Is it free? I don't know. God, what do we do? Well, I don't want to look stupid, right? Because everybody else in here looks like they know what they're doing. So, so they just walk in and they're like, Jesus, nobody say hi to me because I don't know what to say. Because, right? And so there's just this like, what, 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 why, why, are, why are they doing all this stuff? And some of them, before they even make it to the sanctuary, they bolt, jet, because somebody's like, hey, how you doing, brother? Praise the Lord. Blessed and highly and most favored of the most high God. Yeah. My mama told me about freaks like that. Mm-hmm. Passing out bubble gum to the children. Mm-mm. You keep your eye on him. Right? Oh, yeah. Listen, a while back, my, you know, I have two blessed brother-in-laws. One's Jeff Hill, one's Buster Hill. They've both attempted to, uh, to teach me the ways of the gym. You see how well that turned out? They both, they both have tried, attempted to teach me the ways of the gym. I got to tell you, I'm a pretty confident guy. I got all my stuff together, but I'll never forget walking. Like, just, 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 I just, you're just not going to go to the gym. Just, I'm not going to the gym until somebody makes me, right? And I've had two of them try. And so they're like, hey, you got to come to the gym with me. And I'm like, why? Because I have no clue what to do at the gym. Like, I see people doing things. I see them using weights and, and doing reps and routines. Back day. Back, like, back, like, <laughs> leg day. They have all these days of the week that they do certain things. And, and so, when I walk into a gym, I'm mortified. Because as soon as I walk into the gym, everybody there knows exactly what they're doing. Serious. You walk into the gym and they're just like, walk over to the mirror and they're like, you know what I'm saying? They all got t-shirts on and stuff. David, they're all people that look like you. They make me sick. And, and, and they're all doing their thing. And so I walk in and I'm like, okay, what do I do? I don't have the gym shirt on. I don't have the gym shoes on. Everybody there is insanely in shape, right? I'm bigger than everybody, but I've got like 25s on each side. 
right? And Jeff's like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> right? Buster's like, he's like, hey, man, you work out over here, and I'm going to go do the set over here. Because, because they don't want to be identified with, with the guy who has, I went with Buster, we went over to the gym, and, and, I, and I sat down at this machine. The machines are the worst, right? I sit down at this machine, and my legs wind up all spread apart like this, and, and then I go to do the bench press, and he's like, he's like, hey, man, your legs go in between them. And I was like, yeah, yeah, right? I'm at the treadmill pushing every button that exists doesn't work. Somebody walks up to you next to me, they're like, Doop. what the heck? Now, this is, these, these are true stories. This is why I hate the gym, right? I go over and I, and I sit down. I'm like, okay, the dumbbells. You can't screw up dumbbells, right? Dumbbells for dumb people. So I sit down and I grab like my 15s and I'm like, right? Trying to do the workout thing. And then like a 90 pound female walks over next to me and she picks up like 35s. And I'm like, hey, hey, dude walks in. He's like 68 years old. He's jogging on the machine next to mine. And I'm like, one step. And is that right? I just go in. I, in my mind, I'm the only one there who has no clue what they're doing. Right? I'm so far out of my element. Everybody there is a professional bodybuilder, except for, we actually have some footage. I took some footage of me at the gym. Y'all, can we play that footage? My treadmill game. Treadmill game. Look, notice he has like three pounds doing that with. Right? So this guy, watch. See, notice the girl. He's going to pick up his five-pound weight. She picks up like some 25. Watch this. That's me all day long. And then machines. Machines kill you. This next guy. Look at this guy. Look, here we go. What's this machine for? I don't know. Maybe this. And then grab those and do that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Kick them. Kick them. Check them out. Oh, there. We lift the machine. Do I move my butt or my hands? I can't figure it out. Yes. Yes. So true story, true story, true story. The Lord spoke to me after a gym session one day. And he said, the way you feel at the gym is the way new people feel when they come to your church. And I just went, oh, oh. Just, just crushed me because, y'all, you know, the attitude at the gym is, and listen, it may not even be that much of an attitude, but my own insecurity makes it so much bigger than maybe it actually is. That's why we have to be crazy over accepting and, 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 and understanding of these people that are lost people that are coming into our church and in our lives. 
but, but like you walk in and, and, and it's, it's like everybody knows what's up and they see me struggling. And instead of going and working out on the other side of the gym, like some people I know, they could be like, hey, man, that's cool what you're doing. That's good. But let me show you. No, Buster did help me. He really did. Jeff never did. Jeff never did. <laughs> True story. Jeff always wanted me to do a pull-up. I know I'm taking too long on this, but, but this is the way he lost. Jeff always wanted me to do a pull-up, and so uh, I can't. And so they make this machine. We were at this other gym, and they make this machine to where it, you, it'll, it'll assist you, right? Like you can maybe you're only like five or ten pounds away from doing a pull-up, and it'll like push up on your feet and help you do a pull-up. And he was like, hey, man, here, just do, here's ten pounds. Like maybe you can do a pull-up now. Like it was like 150 pounds later. I... <laughs> You know it's true, Jeff. And so, so anyways, he was like, okay, do pull-ups. And I just hang there. He's like, pull up. And I'm, I am. But, but y'all, this is the way people feel. And, 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 and so I'm like, y'all, how are you doing what you're doing? Why are we doing this? Why are we lifting these weights like this? Why are we having back day, leg day? arm day like what, what's what's up like what's up with your what's up with your routine how do you know how to do all these things all these questions that I have but but nobody there to answer those questions so I just feel dumb at the gym <clears throat> just feel dumb at the gym look there, there there's there's two things that you're going to do either either you're, you're, no, it's not, not too, you're just going to avoid the gym. That's right. if, if, if you're going to walk in, that's, that's why people have personal trainers, right? If you're going to walk in and just try to wing this thing, there's so many machines and so many ways and so many ideas, like it's overwhelming. But if you've got somebody to take you by the hand and walk you through this thing, it's a totally different story. So that's what we have to be this isn't about us having our most comfortable experience. This is about taking people by the hand and helping them get to the level that we're at. Right? <clears throat> Y'all, we've all, it's okay to not know what's up, and that's why we're doing this series, to, to put some, some why behind the what that we're doing. Look, there was a time when I thought that the church was cheap because all, that they, all they served at snack time was like a cracker and a thimble full of juice. I'm like, you got better snacks than that, man? That's all you got? That's some chips and queso or something? Right? I just, you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Right? Look, I, I used to wonder this one all the time. I'm like, why don't the cops just come to the church and sit in church? Because these fools confessing everything. <laughs> confessing everything right out loud. Like, I did it. I'm like, dude, you're going to do time for that, man. Shut up. Shh. Right? I didn't understand anything about confessing or, or, or whatever. Right? If, if you're a claustrophobic person or you're not a real touchy-feely person and we're like bringing you up to the front and everybody surrounds you and puts hands on you, you're like, you panic. You don't know why we're doing some of these things. Here's a big why that we get. 
Here's, this is, we get this one all the time. Sharita, will you come kneel down right up here for me? This one really trips people out. <laughs> Look, come kneel down right here. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sure. She's in the workout group. Kneeling down is hard after the workout group. <laughs> so, so look, you're new. You're new to the church, right? And, and, and this is just a good example. You're new to the church and you see people. First of all, you're freaked out. They're like, why are they all running up there and, and bowing down like that? And then somebody comes up to him with a cape. <laughs> and they do that. And then you're like, why, why? That's weird. Why are you putting blankets on people when they're up? Why are we doing that? Well, and then you're like, okay, it's probably something they're covering them with the anointing or the presence of God, or you get spiritual about it. No, it's just because sometimes people's butt cracks hang out. Yeah. Right? I am so sorry, Sharita. Hey, it's because crack kills, right? There's nothing spiritual about this. Deborah is the most unspiritual person at our church. She's going to come up to you. It's about modesty. It's about not distracting anything. There's, right? But if you don't know, if you don't know, like this, it looks weird. Like they're covering people with blankets while they're sleeping up there at the altar. Right? So we, we have to there's, there's all these different reasons. Look, somebody passes a plate full of money in front of me. I'm like, I guess this is like hurricane relief or something like, <laughs> like, do I put money in or take it out? Like people don't know, I don't know this stuff. I don't know. Put money in. <laughs> so that's number one. People don't know. And that's why we're doing this series because not everybody knows. And those of us that do know need to be reminded why we know. It's to help the next generation of believers. Number two, it challenges when we ask, why are we doing that? Why are we doing it? It challenges religion. It challenges religion. We need to do everything that we do with a deep sense of purpose, not just go through the motions. Right? We can come up here and go through the the best non-denominal motions that we can go through, But if there's no heart behind it, then we're no different than the super religious church down the road who came and just went through their uh, scripture reading, prayer, this, that, you're out the door. Religion. Religion, I won't preach that yet. Look, here's a good story. There's a story told about a wife cooking a roast. She cuts the end of the roast off puts it on a pan, and then in the oven. The husband asks her, why did you cut the end of that roast off? She replied, because my mom always did. The next day, the wife talks to the mom and asks, why do you cut the end of the roast off before you put it in the oven? Mom replies, because my mom always did. So both of them went to the grandma and asked the same question. Grandma, why do you cut the end of the roast off before cooking it? And grandma replied, so it would fit in the pan. (laughs) Right? That's religion. That's religion. We're doing it just because, and we may not even know why we're doing it. Like, why am I lifting my hands? Why am I taking communion? Why am I paying my tithe? Why am I worshiping? Why am I reading my Bible? Why is it so, the, what's, why, why is Jesus such a big deal? Why do I have to be saved? Right? 
Am I just cutting the end of the roast off because that's what everybody else is doing? Or do I know the purpose of behind why I'm doing that? Matthew 15, 7, Jesus said this to the Pharisees, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Wow, Jesus hated religion. He came to destroy. He came to make this not about about going through the motions of church, but about having a personal relationship with every single one of us. Every single thing that we do is about your relationship with Jesus and what he did to establish that relationship. Communion isn't just communion, right? Worship isn't just worship. We're not just, this is all driving us to our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if it's not, then we need to stop doing it. Amen? It challenges religion. Because people don't know, it challenges religion. Number three, it forces us, when we ask why, it forces us to go back to the source, the Bible. Remember, all the whys that matter the most come from this book. Come from this book. All the whys that don't matter near as much, like you'll never find pews or chairs in the Bible. What does that mean? It doesn't matter that much. You'll never find jeans or suit in the Bible. You'll never find contemporary or traditional worship. You'll never find hymnals in the Bible. You'll you'll never find any of that stuff in the Bible. Why? Because it doesn't matter as much. I don't know, 50 years from now, it may be the hot, cool thing to do to have pews and to sing out of hymnals. Guess what we're going to do? I don't know. I don't know, God. (laughs) Right? But if that's the hot thing to do, my God, we're reaching people with the hottest thing to reach them with. Right? Right? not staying in dead works it forces us to go back to the source the bible when it comes to why we do what we do it always begins with the word of god so whenever you question why are you doing that someone ought to be able to point you back to the word of god to show you here's exactly why are you shouting like that unto god well let me show you my bible says in psalm 47 shout unto god with a voice of triumph. You know, I went to a church one time and they don't believe in instruments. Why do y'all use instruments up there? Well, let me show you why we use instruments in the word of God. Why, you know, so, so there's some things. We're all, it forces us to go back to the source of why we do everything that we do, this book. Amen. Y'all like my new Bible? That's a good one. It's still shiny, but I'm going to keep reading it so it won't be soon. But, uh, but it's, it's the message and NIV parallel right next to each other. <sighs> Jesus. That's an anointed Bible. Wow. Side by side. And so, forces us to go back to the source. Look, I'm, not, I'm, I'm running out of time, but, but there's a story in 2 Kings. You can go read it, 2 Kings 22. Uh, it, it's, it tells the story of King Josiah. He was eight years old when he became king. And, and at the age of 16, he decides he's a great king, great king. And Israel had lots of bad kings. And he decides the temple's all torn down and messed up. So he decides to rebuild the temple, fix it all back up. And and one of his workers is in there and they find this book in the temple. And they open up the book and they read it and they go, oh my gosh, this is the law, the book of the law. This is is their Bible, right? The first five books of the Bible, this this is the book of the law. 
And so they take it to Josiah and they read the book to Josiah and Josiah loses his mind. He rips his clothes, covers himself in ashes and throws himself before the Lord and begins to apologize to God because nothing that they were doing lined up with what they were supposed to be doing in the book. In the book. And he changed everything that he did, everything that the nation did. For the first time, the Passover was celebrated since before the judges. Josiah instituted the Passover like the word of God said to do. And whenever they said, why are we doing this? He was like, guys, it's in the book, in the message Bible. In the message Bible, it says he went through... And he tore down all the sex and religion shrines and the priests that served at them, he cut their heads off. Why? They were like, why are you killing these people? Why are you tearing down our shrines? He was like, because I didn't know until today that that is not what we're supposed to be doing. Here's what we're supposed to be doing. Everything that we do comes from this book. It's living, it's sharper than ever two, any two-edged sword. I put it up to my ear and I hear, bum, 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 bum. Because it's alive and it's, it's just as relevant and needed today than it ever has been. Everything that we do has to find its foundation in this book. Everything about our lives. Everything. You know, there was another time in church history when... The church had gotten off course and the, and the word of God had been hidden from the people of God. And in the, in, in the year 1517, on October 31st, we're fixing to celebrate 500 years of Protestant Christianity. A guy named Martin Luther. All there was was Roman Catholicism. And in 1517... October 31st, Martin Luther marches up to the church door at Wittenberg and he, he, he nails his 95 theses to the door. And all it was was him saying, hey guys, hey guys, why is the church operating like the church is operating? And he began to ask questions like, why does the Pope have so much authority? And he began to ask questions like, why is the Bible not printed in the common man's language? And he began to ask, why are we paying indulgences? Why are we paying money to make sure we don't go to hell? And so he began to look in his Bible for where the Bible says the Pope is. He couldn't find it. And he began to look in his Bible and where, to where it said, where does it say that I have to pay money to not just get my soul out of, first of all, he said, where is purgatory? I'm not preaching against the Catholic church right now. I'm just sharing church history with you, right? Thank God for Martin Luther on October 31st, 1517. We'll celebrate 500 years. Why? Because there, wouldn't, we, there would be no Christianity as we know it today. Why am I paying money not just to get my soul out of purgatory, but to get my family and friends' soul out of purgatory? Where does it say that in the Bible? How, how are my people, he was a, he was a monk, he was a, a priest, a Catholic priest. He was like, how are my people supposed to understand what this says? If we won't, the, the Bible was only printed in Latin, and that was only the language of the educated. So if you weren't educated, you had no clue what this book says. 
1517, by 1523, Martin Luther had the first Bible printed in the German language, and he gave it to every single person he could give it to. And people began to lose their minds going, why have we been doing Christianity like this for over a thousand years? But they couldn't know it until they... Why are we doing what we're doing? But if we're not diving into this book, going back to the source, my God, don't you ever believe me or pastor or anybody else who stands up here and reads this to you and tells you this is how you're supposed to live your life. Get in this book and let the Holy Spirit breathe it into your spirit. And then it won't be doing what I said. It'll be doing what he said. Don't you love the word of God? So, so, so we're doing this, this series, and we're, we're going to dive more. This was an overview. We're going to dive more into specific things like worship and prayer and the word of God and all just specific things. But today was just, why, 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 why are we doing this? Why are we doing this series? Why is it so important? Because not everybody knows why what we do. And this isn't supposed to be a place of insecurity. This is supposed to be a place where people come and find their security. This isn't a place of, that's supposed to be a source for shame, yeah. but for freedom, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, because not everybody knows why, because it challenges the religion that tries to take over in each one of us, and because it forces us to go back to the source, the Word of God. So that's what this series is going to be all about. Give the Lord a hand clap. Yeah. God is so good. <laughs> 